sushi. Scent of a woman. Privileged Harry Havermeyer is with equally privileged friends George Willis Jr., Jimmy Jameson, and Trent Potter. Havermeyer's appalled that Headmaster Trask was given a new Jaguar car by the Board of Trustees. Charlie Sims, at Baird's school on a scholarship, inquires about a carer's position. Mrs. Rossi takes Charlie to meet Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade. Charlie's filled with dread and knocks tentatively. Frank yells at him, suggesting he's a moron. Charlie says Lieutenant. Frank says Lieutenant Colonel, shouting that Charlie's an idiot. Frank tops up his tumbler with bourbon demanding to know Charlie's background. Charlie says his stepfather and his mum run a convenience store. Frank describes his own family. Nephew-in-law Donnie's a mechanic and niece Karen's a homemaker. He knows as much about cars as a beauty queen and she bakes cookies that taste like wingnuts. Frank says, dismissed. He repeats it louder, and Charlie leaves. Mrs. Rossi tells Charlie he has the job. Frank sleeps a lot. It's an easy $300. She needs to get away with her young family, and Uncle Frank won't join them. Charlie's about to close up the Baird Library. Willis is embarking on an all-nighter. Havermeyer and Jameson are tying a balloon to a lamppost in the staff car park. Willis distracts Miss Hunsacker for them. The ladder is quickly hustled away and Hunsaker asks what the noise was. Willis compliments her scarf, then asks for a hug. Next morning, Trask arrives in his Jaguar. Over the loudspeaker, Havermeyer reads a rhyming, fun-poking commentary. A big balloon is inflated above the headmaster's car. Trask manages to burst the balloon and white paint goes everywhere. The watching students cheer and laugh. Charlie and Willis are called to Trask's office. Trask asks who it was. Willis makes excuses, as does Charlie. Both boys could be expelled for this. Trask then excuses Willis. If Charlie informs on the others, Trask will put his name forward for admittance to Harvard. Charlie has the weekend to consider it. Outside, Willis tells Charlie to call him that night in Vermont for the moves. 
Frank's preparing a trip. He tells Charlie it's none of his business where they're going and calls him an imbecile. Mrs. Rossi and family leaves. Charlie helps Frank move, but Frank violently threatens Charlie's life. They're going to New York City. Frank reminds Charlie he's always to be in front of Frank. Accidentally, Charlie takes Frank's arm again, infuriating Frank. Frank says Charlie wouldn't know better. He's been watching MTV his whole life. On the first class flight, Frank thanks stewardess Daphne. Charlie's amazed. Frank says she's wearing floris, an English cologne, but her voice is California chicky. Her name could only be Daphne. Frank then calls Charlie Chuck, but Charlie says it's either Charlie or Charles. In New York, Frank says they're at the synagogue of all things civilized, the Waldorf Astoria. In their suite, Frank asks Charlie for an inventory on the well-stocked minibar. Frank books a table at the Oak Room, and he doesn't mean Siberia. For 8:15 p.m. Frank again gives his name and rank, booking a limo for 8 p.m. Charlie's eager to leave. Frank says they'll dine together, then Charlie can catch the 2200 hours Boston shuttle. Charlie tells Frank he has a problem at school. He saw some guys doing something. Privileged Harry Havermeyer runs the show at Baird. The staff think Charlie and George can incriminate the guilty parties. They are rich. Charlie's poor. At the Oak Room, Charlie reads that the Oak Room burger and fries is twenty-four dollars. Charlie wonders how Frank can afford everything. Frank says he saved his disability checks. Frank needs Charlie to help him execute his tour of pleasures. Stay in a first-class hotel. Eat an agreeable meal. Drink a nice glass of wine. See his big brother. Make love to a terrific woman, and blow his brains out. Frank's then keen to hear the specials. He orders the souffle, asking Charlie to pass the rolls. Charlie's concerned for Frank, who urges Charlie to try a roll. Charlie will sleep on the couch. Then the area will be returned to sitting room mode by o seven hundred. Charlie salutes. Frank senses this and says, "Snap it out, thumb to palm, index finger through little digit, 
smartly aligned, sharp to the hairline, down. In the morning, their next stop is Frank's brother Willie's house for Thanksgiving dinner. Frank's nephew Randy answers the door. Frank greets Gloria, who says her name's Gail. Frank stamps his cane twice and hollers his brother's name. Willie greets Frank. Frank accurately guesses Gretchen's cooking turkey marbella, asking for a whiff of her. Charlie tells Willie he's temporarily taking care of Frank. Frank declares the booze is flowing like mud, then notices Gail's wearing Mitsuki, rhymes with Nookie. Frank sits at the head of the table. Frank poetically describes some group sex he once had, and most are weary. The table falls silent, Randy calling it a beautiful story. Gary can't help chuckling. Frank asks the time. Randy asks if Frank will get a braille watch. Gail doesn't want a scene. Frank notes tension in Gail's voice. Either she's nervous or unsatisfied. Frank recommends Randy perform sex acts on her. Randy calls Frank a worthless alcoholic. Charlie defends Frank. Randy asks if Chucky thinks he should lay off Frank because he's blind. Frank says his name's Charles. Frank had a grenade juggling act in the army. He and his partner would have cocktails first. One time, Frank had four to his partner's one. Frank starts pulling out the pins and one grenade exploded. Frank was disagreeable before. Now he's blind as well. Frank makes quieter and quieter exclamations. Randy says Chucky again, and Frank grabs Randy by the neck, choking him against the wall. His name is Charles. Frank's using a ranger chokehold and can easily bust Randy's windpipe. Frank relaxes and Randy collapses coughing. Frank smooths his hair and tells Gretchen she outdid herself. Next morning, Frank has gun parts in front of him, wanting Charlie to time him. He finishes assembling and asks how long. Charlie says about 30 seconds. Frank says he's rusty. Charlie asks about the gun. Frank says an officer of the United States Army never relinquishes his 45. Charlie goes to call Mrs. Rossi, but Frank grabs the phone number and eats the paper. 
Frank wants Charlie to stay. Charlie agrees to if Frank hands over his weapon. Frank won't. Charlie asks for the bullets. Frank throws Charlie the magazine. Charlie's conscience makes him care about Frank, who then ejects the bullet in the chamber. Charlie says Headmaster Trask promised to get Charlie into Harvard if he squeals. Frank suggests Charlie do the deal and go to Harvard, but Charlie can't. At a lavish restaurant, Frank's getting a nice soap and water feeling. He asks if they could wait with this lady to keep the womanizers away. Frank correctly guesses she's wearing Ogilvy sister's soap. She's amazed. Her name's Donna. Frank asks her if she tangos. Charlie makes a joke and Donna giggles. Frank compliments her laugh and offers to teach her the tango for free. Charlie gives Frank dance floor coordinates. Frank expertly dips and spins Donna, thrilling her and making Charlie grin. Afterwards, the restaurant applauds. Frank's told about a high-end escort. He's wearing his burgundy foulard. He's wearing bay rum cologne and a Windsor knot. He can feel his heart beating. Next day, Frank says he wants to die. Charlie suggests they go for a ride. At the Ferrari dealership, the salesman Freddy says he's not letting a $190,000 car out the door. Charlie suggests a cheaper one. Frank says if he's impressed, Freddy will get a certified check of $101,000 the following day, plus a case of champagne. Frank ultimately offers Freddy $2,000 in cash. Driving the Ferrari, Charlie says it's fun. Then they switch places and Frank starts accelerating, soon moving up a gear. Charlie's worried, but Frank only laughs. He repeatedly asks where the turn is, putting Charlie under mounting pressure. Charlie eventually gives in. The Ferrari screeches neatly around the bend and Frank cries out jubilantly. Headed for a T-junction, Charlie tells Frank to make another left. Sirens appear, and Frank does the talking. He's let off, on condition he return the Ferrari to the dealer straight away. Frank becomes disoriented, crossing Park Avenue and puts himself in danger, often collapsing. Charlie attempts to keep up, 
at their room. Frank says he'll take a nap. He sends Charlie out to fetch two Monte Cristo cigars, number one. At Dunhill's on the 50th and 5th, he should ask for Arnold in the humidor. Charlie has doubts and doubles back. In full uniform, Frank demonstrates he has more bullets, holding Charlie at gunpoint. Frank expands on his bleakness. Charlie says Frank's just in pain. Charlie grapples with Frank for the gun. Frank overpowers him and threatens to blow Charlie's head off. Charlie says Frank should get on with his life. Frank wants one reason why he shouldn't kill himself. Charlie offers two. Frank can dance the tango and drive a Ferrari better than anyone he's ever seen. Through tears, Charlie pleads again for the gun. Frank needs a drink. What's kept Frank going is the thought that one day he could have a meaningful relationship with a woman. At bed, Charlie sits alone on stage. Willis and his father sit the other side, while headmaster Trask starts talking, Frank is led into the room. Charlie notices Frank making his way to the stage. Trask continues extolling the virtues of the school. Frank joins Charlie on stage. He's there in loco parentis and wants a few people sworn in. Trask proclaims that at bed, they're all on their honour. Frank gives his rank and explains that Larry and Franny Sims have asked him to appear there on Charlie's behalf. Trask asks Willis who committed the vandalism. Under pressure from his father, Willis gives up each of his friends. He then says Charlie was closer. Charlie won't concur, apparently making a mockery of the proceedings. Charlie says he saw somebody, but it could have been any bad student. Trask won't punish Mr. Havermeyer, Mr. Potter, Mr. Jameson or Mr. Willis, but he'll recommend to the disciplinary committee that Charlie be expelled. Trask calls Charlie a liar. Frank then shouts that Charlie is no snitch though. He laughs that Trask will reward Willis and destroy Charlie. Trask's building a vessel for seagoing snitches. Crucially, Charlie's soul is intact and non-negotiable. As he came in, Frank heard the words cradle of leadership. Trask should be careful what kind of leaders he's producing 
at bed. Frank knows Charlie won't sell anybody out to buy his future. That's the integrity all leaders should have. Charlie's learned that a path made of principle leads to character. His future will make Baird proud one day. Eventually, Frank sits back down, prompting applause. Mrs. Hunsacker declares that Mr. Havermeyer, Potter and Jameson are placed on probation for suspicion of ungentlemanly conduct. Mr. George Willis Jr. should receive neither recognition nor commendation for his cooperation. Mr. Charles Sims is excused from any further response to the incident. Everyone applauds. Political science teacher Christine Downs approaches Frank and Charlie. She very much appreciates Frank's coming to bed and speaking his mind. Frank thanks her and asks if she's married. He guesses she's wearing fleur de rocaille, flowers from a brook. She's impressed. Frank and Charlie walk away. Frank correctly estimates she's 5'7", with auburn hair and beautiful brown eyes. Frank tells Charlie to stop by around Christmas time, then abruptly says goodbye. He taps his cane either side as he walks up the driveway. Starring Al Pacino, Chris O'Donnell, Philip Seymour Hoffman, rated 15, directed by Martin Brest, released in the UK 1992, runtime 2 hours 36 minutes. <laughs>